all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And this is All Bad Things. Reverse edition. Once again. <laughs> reverse edition and chaos edition. <laughs> chaos edition. <laughs> Considering what is what is happening outside the realm of this podcast. Before we get into that, mm-hmm. what should we remember to remind people of? <laughs> know your exits? No, I literally just said it. Follow us. Oh, that too. At All Bad Things Pod, I, I it's a Twitter, were, Facebook. I thought you were springing something new on me. No, All Bad Things Pod at Gmail dot com. Um, to contact us with research hint hint hint. Well, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be so beggy. We've had a lot of we people have. step up, so that's fantastic. And thank you to all of those that have sent us scripts. Yes, absolutely. They are in our queue. As it were. <laughs> Key. Our QE. I think everybody um, who isn't British or European learned how learned what the word Q is and how to spell it when Netflix first came along. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> Not actually. sure I would have known how to use no. that in a con- in context. I would have been like Q U E Anyway. <laughs> Follow us on all those things. Yes. So yeah, the world's a, the world's an interesting place. It is <laughs> very much so at the moment. Yeah, and here in North Carolina, on top of everything, it is the yellowing. The yellowing is upon us. It's true. Like three or four weeks early, um, <laughs> yes. pollen season has set in. Uh, thanks, Obama. <laughs> but <laughs> um, uh, so. What's super fun is that now everybody has allergies at a time when everybody's on the lookout for respiratory distress. <laughs> in this so. in, in this in this area of the country anyway. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the, the same pollen thing is not happening in New York State. <laughs> no, no, and, and it, it varies by region, it does. obviously. Yeah. But uh our trees really love to have sex <laughs> here in this area, and they spread their Pollen. They spread their sex all over the place. You're being weird now. This is just well, making I mean, it all weird and gross. That is kind of what it, that, that is what they're doing. Okay, but that's just gross. <laughs> it's called pollen. We don't have to talk they about s- tree sex. They, they spread their yellow semen all over the place. <laughs> oh, why'd you have to go there? Ugh, you're gross sometimes. Sorry. You're gross. Ooh. Sorry. <laughs> did, did kids in your class back in the day ever say, ooh, grody? Uh, no, it was by the by the time I was in grade school, it was uh, gag me with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can come up with all the the old slang. No, um, old slang. Old. That, that's my childhood. That's not old. <laughs> well, how old are you? Middle aged. Twenty seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad my I married a younger plus, man. Plus sixteen. <laughs> um. <clears throat> so. In these, I, I, the way I've been putting it to my clients in email is I've been like, oh, hope you're doing well in these odd times. <laughs> Try not to use any charged language in, in any way. Um, 
but obviously a lot of small businesses are struggling right now, I know, because... A lot of businesses, period. Businesses, period. Yes, not the big ones. The big no. ones are doing just fine. Oh, the big ones are exempt. We found that out yesterday. <laughs> They're exempt from struggling, so... Yeah. But... Um, a lot of local businesses, especially like restaurants, food mm-hmm. service, and all of their employees and everything are, are really struggling right now. And that goes to just about any independent creator, too, including our pod friends. Yes. <clears throat> so. And, the, um, and that cuts all across the country as well. Absolutely. It's not just It cuts where all we across live. the world. Well, that, yeah, actually, yeah, yes. you're right. This is not a this is not a U.S. thing. This is a worldwide thing. So, hence the pandemic moniker. Um, oh yeah, we're talking about COVID nineteen. In case anybody's listening, like three years from now, they're like, "Wait, what are they talking about? I forgot." I'm pretty <laughs> sure three years from now, people will remember this moment. I'm. Yes, but they may <clears> not <throat> put into context what we're talking about just from hints. That's true. I don't know. At any rate. But I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Okay. <laughs> well, so as we've mentioned before, people have asked us before, like, um, do you have a Patreon? We'd like to support you or whatever. And that's all very sweet. Um, we don't do ads. We don't have a Patreon. And that's because we're lucky and privileged and totally able to do this as a hobby. A hundred percent. We just pay for the little hosting fees, and I shouldn't say little, because I'm for a lot of independent pod creators, it's it's a little bit of a bill. Um, for us, like I said, we're very privileged, very lucky. So we very much enjoy putting this out as completely free content. But we have absolutely, yeah, yeah, we have encouraged people in the past if uh, you want to support us go ahead and donate to a worthy charity well we like to suggest that if you would like to support us now that you consider supporting one of our pod friends and so we're going to give some shout outs and some people who have opportunities well first of all that you should listen to and then um, consider also uh, giving some money to through Patreon because most of them have Patreons. So going to call out a couple of our listeners who started their own disaster pods. Our friends uh, Michelle and Mel mm-hmm. at the Cornfield Meet, they do have a Patreon. Yes, they do. Yep. So listen, subscribe, rate, but only highly. If you give them a one-star review, I will hunt you down. That goes for all these people. You hear me? <laughs> You leave us one-star reviews all day, don't you fucking dare touch these people. <laughs> Five-star reviews only allowed. All right. <clears throat> um, also, uh, our listener and friend Michael from Channel of Catastrophe, he doesn't have a Patreon that I could find, but absolutely uh, rate, review, rescribe. Um, disaster Area, mm-hmm. our friend Jennifer, yep. Great Pod, also does have a Patreon. Uh, moving slightly away from disasters, more into true crime, murder under the midnight sun. Our friend Ariel. Uh, what's super fun about Ariel is, uh, so she's from Alaska. She does Alaskan uh, uh, murders and, and true crime. She just recently moved to Palm Springs. Wow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and that's right. I thought, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like made a world of difference for her. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah. Jeez, I'm less depressed. <laughs> I don't live in Alaska anymore. <laughs> Which is why I moved from upstate New York. <laughs> the pictures she shared are gorgeous. Palm Springs looks, at, looks absolutely beautiful. Um, and she also does have a Patreon. Also, of course, our girls, Rachel and Rebecca. From yours and murder, Rebecca, or no, sorry, Rachel, <laughs> has been on the pod before. 
she co-hosted the Death Star, Star Wars episode. episode. That was yep. our first. Our first. Pretty sure it was our first non, mashup. Yes, our first mashup and our first non-disaster disaster. Like it was a little tongue-in-cheek episode before we did our full-blown miracle sets. I think. Um. Also, uh, shouting out a couple pods I like that are a little more indie: Corpus Delecti with Jen and Lindsay. They have a Patreon. And Moms and Murder with Mandy and Melissa. They have a Patreon as well. <laughs> Moms and Murder with Mandy and Melissa. <laughs> I just realized that. They're, it's quite an alliteration. They're very funny in like the most adorable. I've listened dorky to both of them. It, yes. Way. They, yeah. they both sound like moms. They do sound like moms, but in a totes adorbs way. Yes. In a totes adorbs so. fun way. Yes, absolutely. Also, shout out to our listener and friend Zach and his blogs. That he has, um, my heavy metal journey, right, mm-hmm. is one, and pig spin sports. You put sp- pig skins, but Did it's I? pig spins. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I have not read. I have not read your pig spin sports. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? I think I saw a tweet or something like that. Okay. But anyway, I I have read a couple of the my heavy metal mm-hmm. journey, the one about the top ten albums of all time according to Rolling Stone, <laughs> is fucking hilarious because <laughs> he points out the obvious like so the beatles have four albums in the top 10 and bob dylan has two so six <laughs> of the greatest albums of all time are by two, two artists. artists like get the fuck out of here with that <laughs> shit so anyway i i enjoyed reading that one and i enjoyed reading it to the point where he's like i can't take it anymore he was like here's the other rest <laughs> of the list i'm not gonna comment no further comment <laughs> But Zach's knowledge of metal music is oh, it's, deep. It's, it's, it's very, encyclopedic. Yes, basically. It is. And talking about Zach made me think of our friend Akshay, who is also very much a, a metal fan. Um, remember, he's yes, seen right, Amonomarth he like yes, he is. Yep. five times or something. So major he has an Amonomarth t shirt. Yes. Believe. To our friend Akshay, I was really looking forward to meeting up with Akshay in the UK this May. Well, that hopefully in the fall. Happen, but yeah, yeah, in the future, I will be going to the UK and I'm looking forward to meeting in person Akshay. I don't think he's currently doing any new um, episodes of Blood on the Rocks, but he does have his back catalog. And I'm trying to convince him that he should go into uh, map making, like. Do art pieces. Cartography. Cartography, exactly. He's a very talented artist. He is. I've seen some of his maps maps, on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. It looks really cool to do. I just, I would not have the patience for it. I don't have the patience. (laughs) Well, I also don't have the talent for it. I just don't have the skill to do it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't have that either. Come to think of it. (laughs) Yeah, but they're pretty cool. And then also um, a shout out to our listener, Alex, who I tried to get onto our I, hope I for she's some okay. reason I could not um get into our all bad things like uh messages something weird happened with the app I don't know at any rate um Alex we are a hundred percent here if you need us um and that goes for everybody that by goes the by yes we're here so like we're like like I said we're a couple of the lucky and ones I, and I want to reiterate what uh what we touched on last week, like if you need a pizza order, if you need food, whatever, we we have, mm-hmm. we I have all the the fun food apps. <laughs> yes. Grubhub and uh, 
All the pizza, the Domino's, mm-hmm. the Domino's, the Domino's, <laughs> <laughs> which as far as chain pizza goes to me personally, that's the best one. Okay. I'll take something else over it. But if you need something, please reach out to us. We're here. Do not, do not be afraid that we will judge because we will not. And we would never. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, <clears throat> so we've been getting a lot of positive feedback about our one star <laughs> review corner. <laughs> Is this the thing you wouldn't show me? So, <laughs> I went to look up more one-star reviews that we've gotten recently. Okay. Here's the thing. We haven't. Okay, good. Since we last recorded. <laughs> we, we haven't got, in the last week. <laughs> which is a, like a, a record for us. You know what we got? What did we get? Three five-star reviews. Nice. Let's do it. Yes. Because our listeners are amazing, and they know that the best way to drag the one stars is to prove them to be fucking idiots by giving us five stars. So, yes. Um, did I print them all out? Let's see. Did you? Yes. Doth you. Okay. Do- <laughs> Sorry. Doth, doth you print I them all out. I literally printed out the screenshots. I don't know why I, I was wondering that. what that was. <laughs> all right. This one, is, oh, I... Uh-oh. I can't read the user. Oh, it's, no. oh, it's split over two pages. Uh, Avery's parents. <laughs> a- Avery's? Oh, you're probably right. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's a- it's A-V-E-R-I-E instead of E-Y, so I guess that's why yeah, I thought I mean, Avery, yeah. You know what I think of when I think of the word Avery? Uh, the labels. Uh, I think of a small boy that grew up like in a rich household. <laughs> <laughs> Avery! <laughs> yes. No, I think of the labels. Okay. Avery labels. I, I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's a label brand. Okay. <laughs> it's a label label. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so this one is called One of My Go-To Podcasts, and it's short and sweet. Keep up the good work. I listen all the time while I'm working. Nice. Thank you, Avery's nice. parents, or Avery's. Avery's, <laughs> or ovaries, if, if you misspelled it. On... <laughs> this one. Uh, ovaries parents would actually make sense. <laughs> I know. (laughs) What a derogatory nickname to call your daughter. Hey, ovaries. Can you imagine? I could, actually. There's some really mean people out there. (laughs) Yes. Maybe that's what, like, because parents are already starting to lose their minds over having their kids with them all the time. (laughs) Anyway, uh, this one's called Very Entertaining and Informative from What You Leave Behind, which I know is one of our loyal listeners because I know that username. I just, the funny thing is I know a lot of people by their usernames, but then I can't, like, remember who they are. I can't remember if they're ovaries or avaries or... (laughs) And this says... I love all bad things. The topics range from famous to obscure and funny to horrifying. They take the content seriously and, in my opinion, inject the right amount of levity to otherwise crazy, depressing topics. The hosts do their homework and are listener-centric. Oh, thank you very much. Love that. And then this one, this is the one that drags our one stars, and I love it. (laughs) This is from Kabichu. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or cabbage anyway pikachu this is this is the the title too much banter makes this awesome <laughs> i love it i love it love it love it i love the ongoing banter between rachel and david okay so first of all they called us by our proper names and not the female host and the male host. the, the female host and the dude these are our people this is not actually maybe we should change it to the female host and the dude yeah 
Okay. I love the ongoing banter between Rachel and David, and I love hearing Rachel drag the one-star reviews about how much people hate the banter. (laughs) The research that goes into this podcast is amazing, and if I ever get the time, I'm in the accounting field too, I'll be happy to submit a script and research for tax season. Not during tax season, though, obviously. No, not during. We understand. No. You're an accountant. We get it. Once it's done, once it hits April 16th, we expect that script in the mail. <laughs> Keep up the banter because you guys are awesome and it gives me something to look forward to every Monday. I just thought that it was the best thing ever. We've been doing our one-star review corner and everybody loves it. And our listeners' response was, hey, let's shower fuck, them with five stars. Fuck off. So Well, it was nice. fuck off to the one-star reviewers, yeah, rather. Not, exactly. not Not to us. No. Thankfully. Mm-hmm. No, very, very kind. And you guys, remember all our one-star people? They're fucking assholes. You guys are fucking awesome. <laughs> fucking awesome people. And we love you. So. Spe- oh, we're not oh, done yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <clears throat> this is a long intro. You guys said you love our banter, so here you go. Well, that last reviewers I'm, I'm they speak for everybody <laughs> i would like to announce the return of two of our loyal listeners who are now in quarantine and now have time Jesus. Oh, okay <laughs> one being emily is back to live mm-hmm. tweeting i knew when i had uh 20 notifications from twitter and it was awesome and i love it and also we got an email from Sarah Q. Oh, really? Our Orthodox Jew from NYU. So Sarah spoke up when I was talking about Ecclesiastes. (laughs) 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 Um... She gave us some fun facts about Ecclesiastes. It's one of her favorite books. I'll bet she did. She she said that, uh... Her... Her dad pitched the book of Ecclesiastes to her to like get her excited about the the Talmud or the the Bible um by saying see Sarah sometimes the Torah is angsty cynical just like you <laughs> is, the Torah. Is, is that a book that shares uh Christianity and Judaism well so or... it's, it's a book of the Old Testament okay um I know the Torah is the first five books of the Christian uh, Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers and Deuteronomy yeah um, those that I mean I was just about to say that but go ahead I can name the rest of the 61 if you want. Please don't. Um, <laughs> but the Old Testament, I I don't want to say is exactly the same because I don't think it is. But, but there there is a little bit of events. there is a little bit of crossover. The, as I those event, basically where Christianity and Judaism like take separate paths is is right there. Jesus. Oh, okay. That's that damn Jesus. Damn God Jesus. damn it, Jesus Christ. <laughs> God damn it, Jesus, David Christ. <laughs> um, so apparently, some fun facts about Ecclesiastes from Sarah. It was almost seen as too radically cynical to be put in the Jewish canon. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um, now, she did say that she respectfully disagrees that COVID-19 is, quote, nothing new under the sun. She said it, and, and she makes a good point. That, like, maybe individual pieces are all, like, have all happened again. Pandemics have happened. Stupid government has happened, you know, and technology has happened. But this is kind of a the first time we're dealing with all three or all a number of things we, at we've once. We've got a whole stew mm-hmm. of fucking problems stirring. Her, her point was that uh, it's a combination of a disease this contagious with this high of a death toll in the era of globalization and with the U.S. being 
completely incompetent. And real quick, just in case anyone hasn't heard, it is official that the United States government and the IRS has given guidance on this. You've got an extra 30 days to pay your taxes. This is not a extension to file your taxes, though. So file for an extension if you want to, and that's okay. You automatically get it six months. Um, but then if you owe, you don't have to pay until July 15th. So that's great. Sorry, I just had to get the PSA <laughs> out there. Um, Sarah also you are, says... You are a tax professional. Yes. Sarah also says that she agrees with you that human children are often disgusting creatures. <laughs> I agree with that as well. Did, did I say that? Out well, li- we kind of both said it. Did, did I say that? Out, out loud. loud. <laughs> anyway, it was great to hear from Sarah, and she signed off as Sarah Q, an Orthodox Jew, not currently at NYU. Oh, wow. Did she graduate? Or... No, she, nobody's she, at any oh, campus Jesus anywhere. Christ, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's graduating. Well, uh, no, formally. Nobody's going through the uh, yeah. cap and gown sort of thing, that, most likely. That really sucks. I know. It does. Well, like we've to got get to... uh, cousins' kids who are high we schoolers do. graduating, and it's putting a big damper on them. I mean, it's a first world problem, but still, it's that's tough. But, you know, kind of, like I said, I mean, these are the this is the generation that's going to have to deal with a lot worse than this. So, like... Maybe, I don't mean to say they need to toughen up these these kids. I are think tough they're tough to begin with. Yeah, but um, it'll, it'll put a little extra bit of a uh, spine in their backbone. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I didn't graduate. <laughs> sixty years from now. And then uh, Teddy also. I, I hope they don't sound like that sixty years from now. <laughs> um, Teddy also reached out to us. She's great for. Um, keeping in touch with us. She's much better at keeping in touch with us than I am with her. So. We love you, Teddy. Um, but I wanted to remember to... So Teddy's very sweet. She signed off with hang in there, tax season won't last forever. But Teddy is... Unless it's, ex- unless it's extended. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the other thing, guys. We may be in for an extended tax season, which means... Most likely we're in for an extended tax season. It's just a matter of you know getting the policy done. <laughs> And who knows what the consequences are going to be for next year. At any rate. Um, but Teddy is a mail carrier. And postal she a, workers. She is a female, female mail carrier. carrier. Yes, she is. Um, and postal workers, food people in um, the food supply, working on the food supply chain. Um, and then, of course, absolutely healthcare workers. As hard as it is for a lot of us to, like, be stuck inside or be uncertain about our job security. There are still a lot of people who are having to work and expose themselves to, they don't know what like on the reg included are people like Teddy and people like our friend Kim Mm -hmm. from the people are wildest pod, by the way, that's another great indie pod. Um, and Kim has specifically stated that, like, she's having to reuse the same mask. Kim is literally on the front line yes. as we speak. And um, PPE, personal protective equipment. Mm-hmm. So, like, gloves and mm-hmm. masks and all the stuff that healthcare workers use to protect themselves and their patients. There's, like, massive shortages. And they're having to work under extremely dangerous circumstances and they're continuing to do so. And in a lot of cases, like self-isolating, like mm-hmm. I've read a lot about um, healthcare workers or healthcare providers who are like 
sequestering themselves in one part of their house literally while the rest of their family is living in another part of the house because they can't take the chance right and in some cases it's i mean first of all that's just that would just be absolutely miserable no matter what but in some cases it's like people can't see their kids for and they don't know for how long you know maybe that's a good thing Talking about kids being disgusting. Once you die there uh, on your own hill there, but uh, <laughs> so sorry about people that have kids, but you know I'm right. So there's you know there's a lot of people doing a lot of really selfless work. Yes, and you know I mean we're seeing who the true heroes are. Well, I, I I think in this instance what's going on uh, the true heroes I think are. Obviously, the frontline people deserve a lot of credit, but I, I honestly think uh, the American people as a whole, the majority of us, realize what's happening and realize that we're in this together and we have to stick together and we have to help each other out. So the- I, I think there I, I honestly think something really good is going to come out of this. I think something really good can come out can, of this. Can, for sure. And I really just hope it does. Yes. I really hope it does. Um, and we can all help that happen by being part of the good that comes out of yes. it. You know, especially an increased sense of community, um, being there for each other. Even when we can't physically be there for each right. other, we can still be there to support each other. And I mean, I feel like there's a, a decent chance that like, if we're good about this and we remember this, that we can keep sort of the spirit I, of I, I community have, going. I have faith that we're going to pull through and get through this mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and move on to better things. Mm. Uh, Election-wise, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but here's the thing. Like, the government will always be the government, right? But the people but in, but in are... What form? the form? And the citizenry is what a country is. Yes. And that I think people realize that now. Yes, and if the citizens work hard enough, and it, oh well, now that sounds like bootstrapping. <laughs> if this, if the citizenry like is truly watching out for each other, we'll be able to knock those fuckers down who are stopping us from helping each other. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. No, no, it's not um, going to be easy at all. Because we don't have the we don't have the money. We don't have the voice that certain people do. We got the numbers. We though. do. That we do have. We have massive numbers. And if we can all keep that in mind and help each other out, yeah, we can do some good stuff. Absolutely. So, that lasted a while. (laughs) Just a a little bit. Yes, topic. Good topic. We were thinking of what to do for this week's topic. This is a topic I meant to do a month ago on the actual anniversary. And kind of shelved it because... I get lazy. Let's be honest. I just, I was just like, uh, I'm not arguing with you. I, I just, love you, but I'm not arguing like, with you. I was just like, hopefully a listener will send in some research. <laughs> you wouldn't want someone else to do the research on this. Not though. on this, yeah. but I, but I was saying, I hope somebody, oh, a listener will send in research of anything else, gotcha. whatever, so that I don't have to work when I'm not working. Cause that's right. <laughs> Jesse See, even, agrees. even, even Jesse knows. But given all that is going on, I figured, does anybody really want to talk about a tragedy when a lot of tragedies are going on in people's own lives? And I'm talking about 
people's grandparents, people's parents. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have already been, I think today, the number got bumped up to over 200 deaths mm. of this. In and, the U.S., you mean? Yes. And it, the case number keeps literally oh, yeah. going up by the hour. And we'll never know the true number <clears throat> of cases or deaths. This and we're be... recording this on March, March 19th. 19th. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Two days ago, it was like, oh, it's like 4,700. Uh, today, it's uh, it's over 9,000 last night. Last what are you I talking about? The what? cases. Cases in the U.S.? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it just... Again, and that's just the U.S. Remember, mm-hmm. this has been way worse in other places. We're, we're heading there. Yes. <laughs> we're not there yet. But well, we're, we're literally following the same traje- trajectory mm-hmm. as Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, and things aren't going great for them either at the moment. Nothing so, is going great for anybody. It is not. So, all we need is a miracle. <laughs> all we need is Mike and the Mechanics. All we need or, is... What we need is the miracle on ice. Yay. This is a feel-good one, folks. So, for all of my fellow non-hockey fans, this is... You're not is, a fellow non-hockey fan. That's true. I'm, I'm just saying, like... For, for those of you who aren't your people? Yes. Okay. Uh, take a... <laughs> Jesse. Take a step back. I don't know what's wrong with him all of a sudden. He wants to get in the closet. I guess so. Take a step back. Take a deep breath. Let's all go back to 1980. <sighs> 1980. And as you know, decades cross over, so 1980 is still the 1970s. Basically. And this is very early on in 1980. Mm-hmm. This is in February. So the decade had just changed over. People needed something. And 19 college kids gave the American public something. Hmm. This is the miracle on ice. This is a good one. So the miracle on ice that is famously known today was a 1980 Winter Olympics semifinal. We'll get into that. Oh, that's right. Yes, this was not the to win gold. not the gold medal game. Yeah. It was a semifinal ice hockey game played between the United States and the Soviet Union. The game took place on February 22nd, 1980 in Lake Placid, New York, which was hosting its second Winter Olympic Games, the first of which occurred all the way back in 1932. Oh, wow. Okay, so it was the second, but not for like 48 years. The event, the Olympics 40 years ago are so much different than it is today, Mm -hmm. but... Jesse! So in American parlance... Parlance? Parlance. You mean parlance? Parlance, parlance. I, I've always said parlance. But... I've always said parlance. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe that's the French Canadian. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> Mon ami. The game is remembered as one of the greatest sporting events in history. I think it, yeah, I think very much it always ranks up there. You can't, when I get into, mm. especially the political mm-hmm. background of this game, you can't top mm-hmm. it. I mean, you really, mm-hmm. you can't. That's not to get, and that's just leaving out between the two teams what the American team was facing against. Right. I'm telling you, strictly politically, this was always going to be remembered. So, having won the 1960 Winter Olympic Ice Hockey Gold Medal in Squaw Valley, California, which is where Lake Tahoe is. Oh, okay. The Americans had a small amount of of success, but were mostly not regarded as a threat in the sport on the international Mm -hmm. stage until the 1980 Winter Olympics. Olympics? Olympics. Olympics. <laughs> in the four Winter Olympic Games between 1960 and 1980, the USA hockey team did not qualify for the medal round outside of a surprising 
And quite honestly, I just discovered this, well, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Silver medal finish at the 1972 Winter Olympic Games in Sapporo, Japan. I had hmm. no idea that the Americans... They medaled. They respectably medaled. They had a silver medal. Yeah. I started writing, they did not qualify for the medal round in between then. Right. And I was like, well, I might... I, Just double I check. should check make sure facts. that that is correct. Mm-hmm. And came across this article on the 1972 team that finished with a silver medal and i was like i've never heard of this team this is what you mentioned Mm -hmm. yeah you kind of started talking about it and i told you to not talk about it so that we could talk about it now yeah are you gonna go into it a little uh not really because i mean it's uh, the circumstances out of how they wound up with that silver medal it's Mm -hmm. not like it wasn't warranted but it's just it's it's, it's an interesting story to dive in on our own if we want to. Right. Okay. If, if you want to, on your own, research the 1972 U.S. Olympic hockey team. We should share the article that you shared privately, like on your own Facebook page. We should share that on our All Bad Things page. It was from the, uh, I believe it was from the New York Post. Okay. So, so yeah. Um, in between 1960 and 1980, the Americans somehow won a silver medal. Okay. In 1972. But in all the other winter games, they were fucking terrible. So, the Soviet Union, on the other, on the other hand, well, yeah. were regarded as the greatest team in international hockey at the time, and they had the receipts to back it up. That was for all you Gen Z listeners out there. <laughs> That's so cute. The Soviet Red Army team, their Red official Ar- name. Wow, really? They, these guys all, the, wait, all served were, in the army. They were called the Red Army mm-hmm. team? Yep. I always thought... Red was like a derogatory term and not a term actually used by communists about themselves. Oh no, it's it's. it's I didn't know that. It's a ter- the Reds, it's a term for a reason. Huh? You know? There's a, a famous story because we need more banter this episode. <laughs> There's a famous story that um you know in the McCarthy hearings and everything, mm-hmm. Lucille Ball was one of the people who got uh, like Ron- witch hunted. Ronald Reagan also testified against uh, fellow actors mm-hmm. during the. He did because McCarthy he's an asshole. Hearings because he's a fucking piece of shit. And he's dead now. Um, <laughs> that turned dark. But <laughs> uh, Lucille Ball had been a registered Communist Party voter because her grandfather asked her to be like a dying wish sort of a thing. She was very close to her grandfather. There were all sorts of fucked up things that happened during the Cold War era. And well, but. I would like to finish oh, saying I'm, what I'm, I'm saying. Sorry. That's I'm okay. Just, I'm just saying. <laughs> I know. So, um, so there's there's a famous story. So she got kind of caught up in the McCarthy hearings a little bit. She, unlike a lot of people, sort of managed to weather it. Like a lot of people's careers were ruined by Joseph McCarthy because yes, he they was were. also an asshole who's now dead. Um, but she managed to sort of make it through, and this was like right around the time I Love Lucy was starting, and. Uh, Desi Arnaz was warming up the audience for a live show of or live recording of I Love Lucy. You mean you mean Desi Arnaz, the Cuban communist? They were very ahead of their time. They were showing a a, a interracial couple. I can't right? I can't believe they were doing this in the 1950s. Really? What what? An interracial couple. Oh, I know. It yes. it was. It's a lot more revolutionary than a lot of people would <laughs> yes. think. But um. But he was warming well, the show up the is hilarious. Aud- yes, it's it's literally the best show ever. Um, he was warming up the audience and introduced Lucy, you know, because everybody, you know, gets introduced to the crowd and they applaud before they start recording. And 
they they said he, he Desi said Desi Arnaz said, and my favorite redhead, and that's the only thing that's read about her, Lucille oh, Ball. Yeah, oh. as like a little hmm. you know middle finger to the McCarthy people. Okay, so the uh, the uh, the blinds did not match the carpet apparently. Anyway, that that's that's a weird joke. <laughs> that's not what I said at all. I know it isn't. But you're getting weirdly innuendo-y. We're usually pretty good about not being innuendo-y. Anyway, because I'm trying to stay on topic. <laughs> you're not. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. The Thank female you. host Thank will you. stop interrupting yes. you. Thank you, female host. <laughs> Did you just say? <laughs> I said, thank you, female host. <laughs> That's not what I heard. Female host. Female host. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> I am drinking I am drinking a international local beer. <laughs> international. Good. So, the Soviet Union, on the other hand, were regarded as the greatest team in international hockey at the time, and they had the receipts to back it up, as I had said before. <laughs> The Soviet Red Army team won the gold medal for ice hockey in the Olympics in 1964, 1968, 1972, and 1976. Four times before this. In other words, they were the four-time defending champions. To give you an even better sense of just by a score of six to nothing. Wow. So the team a bunch of college kids would face just held the best players in the NHL, meaning the best professional players in, in the world. Ro- well, yeah. Uh-huh. Just held them to a shutout. Wow. Good luck, boys. Yeah, right? Well, but that's the thing. The NHL is sort of the... It's at the, the time, it was mostly a league of Canadians. Okay. In 1980, well, at the time, literally in 1980, a lot of Canadians now. Well, no, but in 1980, the NHL was pretty much strictly. I want to say 95 percent of the players in the league in the NHL at the time were Canadians. Wow. Um, it was a North American league, but really a Canadian league. So well, and now it's very much an international. Oh, very much so. I want to say that there are seventeen different uh, countries Mm -hmm. represented in the NHL today. Those are probably all the countries that play hockey primarily. Oh yeah, Uh they're all countries that get a winner for damn sure. (laughs) Brazil is not. I don't think there's a Brazilian player in the NHL. That would be so cute if it was like. (laughs) And here's our. Well, it'd sort of be like the Jamaican bobsled team, right? It's like Like, it's like here's the Brazilian. (laughs) Yeah. Now all you North American boys beat the shit out of them. (laughs) Because <laughs> that is exactly what yeah. the, the call would be, and I, I would take those orders seriously. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, Topic, please. <laughs> so now we are on to the 1980 Winter Olympics itself. So officially known as the 13th Olympia, Olympic Winter Games, events took place in the small town of Lake Placid, New York, Something that really could not happen today, unfortunately. You couldn't have... Just because of the infrastructure? It's too big. The, the Olympics The games are themselves big. are... Uh, today, it's... You know, there's too much media. There's too much everything. But at this time, it was still like... It was... At this time, it was all amateurs. 
Yeah, so it was... Isn't it still technically supposed to be amateurs? Technically but, supposed to be. But when NBA players can play in the Summer Olympics, and, like how amateur is it? And the Russian players are, they're all professionals too. Right, yeah. So that line got skewed a little bit at that time, but for the most part, mm-hmm. everybody participating were amateurs in right. their sport. True amateurs, yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, uh, Lake Placid also hosted the 1932 Winter Olympic Games. The site was chosen for its state-of-the-art facilities and picturesque scenery, which is absolutely true. Um, Lake Placid is about 75 miles south of where I grew up. Mm. and Is it indeed Placid? Just like a beautiful, is. huge it lake? It is. In the, in the wintertime, it looks like a snow globe. Mm. And I'm not even kidding. Mm. It really does. So the site was chosen for its state-of-the-art facilities and picturesque scenery. And it was also chosen because Lake Placid, New York, was the lone bidder for the games, with Vancouver, British oh, Columbia, no. withdrawing its bid before a vote could be taken by the uh, International Olympic Committee, or IOC. Why did nobody want to host them? I, I don't know. I, That's weird. So they sort of won by default. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Vancouver, poor Lake Placid? Yeah. Vancouver would later host... Not poor Lake Placid. The, well, one of the I greatest... Mean, <laughs> things in sports history happened here agreed <laughs> it's just sad that that's they did, how they, they, they didn't know that going in but, right. w- but what they did know is that uh yeah we're hosting the olympics in... and vancouver was like god damn it yeah. uh vancouver vancouver would later vancouver <laughs> vancouver would later host the 2010 winter olympic games yeah i was gonna say i remember them yeah. hosting not mm-hmm. long ago yeah uh the american ice hockey team in 2010 finished uh with a silver me- silver medal okay. losing to team canada in double overtime very controversial finish well that actually seems very fitting that it would come down to the u.s and canada and that canada would win in canada uh they had much better players and for whatever reason they went into four on four in the overtime and i'm like mm, canada is going to win this they have hmm. they have the better players can nhl players play in the olympics well they they did for i'll get into that oh, a little okay. bit okay they did that for a stretch of okay winter olympics as as recent as the 2018 winter olympics they did not they, okay they went back to uh college players amateur players okay well not uh, just college players but like there are, there's the um, pretty much lower league guys. Well, as, too, as right? far as as or far no? as Team USA is concerned, the players that played in 2018 were all college players. So not like ECHL or any no. of those guys. Okay, they would go on to that. Mm. This was their. That's another. Um, ECHL is still professional. They're getting paid. That's another. I mean, everybody's getting hit by not only the health but economic impacts of covid and everything but like uh, i saw that the echl suspended the rest of their season yes they obviously did. they don't have but the money those are players who yeah. the league doesn't have a ton of money and those players don't have a ton luckily of money. for them they are under the um uh they are under the, the nhl NHL's- cba okay yes they are so, so the they, NHL they will, is helping cover. Okay, good. They will eventually get some relief. Okay. Uh, that only happened uh, the last time they passed the CBA, which mm-hmm. was when we had a partial lockout in 2013. Okay. Uh, the ECHL fell under the uh, management under umbrella of the NHL. Okay. Because they do feed AHL teams. They do. And those AHL teams feed NHL teams. So, so they're part of the food chain a they little are. bit. So yes. they have so offer some protection. They'll get some relief. Yeah. yeah. But it makes sense to to suspend their seasons because mm-hmm. 
ECHL ECHL players that go to the NHL are few and way far between. Well, no, it makes sense to to suspend their activities because of just they don't don't draw crowds. Or no, no, what I'm saying is don't draw crowds right now. Nobody should be going to a crowded event. And they they mostly don't have the money to operate on that level anyway. So fair enough, but it's it's for the best. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you heard, but apparently on um, like just about a week ago there. The event is pretty funny, but it was some sort of like they did hold a concert at PNC last Friday, the PNC really? arena down the street. Yeah. Okay. And it was like a shanty and little bow wow. It was some sort of like old nineties throwback thing. Little bow wow. He didn't. He didn't drop the lil. Now that he's like thirty no, years old. That's right. Old. He's ba- no, no. That's right. He's <laughs> not little bow wow. He's just bow wow. Yeah. Yippee oh yippee! Where my dog's at? But that's Snoop Dogg. No, he's he used he sampled it. From Snoop Dogg. I know, yeah. but that's how I know it. Snoop is before my time. <laughs> Bow Wow's closer to my age. You see, that's where our generational divide happens. But apparently somebody attended the concert ill and was symptomatic and was on the floor. I thought you meant ill like crazy. <laughs> Showed symptoms of COVID-19 tested positive later for COVID-19 and now an unknown number of people at the PNC arena were exposed to COVID-19. Good times. Yep, good times at PNC arena. So anyway, on to the 1980 Winter Olympics. The 1980 Games Games showcase 37 different nations competing in 38 events across just six sports. Wow. Not how it is today at all. Was that typical of that time? Like, was the 76 also? Well, extreme sports, action sports had not been introduced. Well, that's true. Plus, were they curling yet in the Olympics? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Curling is a part of this. I've... I've been to this whole facility Mm -hmm. several times. Yeah. You played in this facility. Yeah. Uh, There are two curling arenas, I believe, at least in 1994. Four or five there were. <laughs> Always makes me think of a couple years ago when we went to Chapel Hill for our little Valentine's staycation and we watched curling. It's the most fascinating sport of all time. And it was being hosted in Raleigh when we were watching it. Remember? It was being hosted at the Hurricanes practice facility. It Not was... the Olympics, no. No, no, no. The curling. The curling was being held at where the Hurricanes... Wait, so the Olympics were taking place in one location, but the curling was taking... No. I'm saying the Olymp... I mean, I know that there's, like, curling at the... I'm not sure what you're trying to tell me. What we were watching was Mm -hmm. taking place at the Olympics. Yes. Oh, you're talking about two years... Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking of... I said two years ago. I said 2018. I'm just thinking of when we were in Chapel Hill a couple weeks ago. I know that, yeah. Somehow watching curling. It was was literally taking (laughs) place in Raleigh. That's our Valentine's Day um, tradition. There's something about curling. Watching curling. It's actually a very fascinating sport. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. So, East Germany... That's right. Yes, kids. Mm -hmm. There was a time when there was an East and West Germany. There was two Germanys. East Germany won the medal count with a total of 23, including nine gold medals. Wait, which one is... Um, East was the communist side? Yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, the Soviet Union, total of 22 medals. <laughs> what now? The Soviet Union. Okay. <laughs> total of 22 medals overall, and won the most gold medals with 10. 
And the host nation, United States, finished third in the medal count with a total of 12, including six gold. One of those six gold medals is the topic of our story today. Mm. So, a little little blurb on Lake Placid, New York. Mm. It is a your neck of the woods. It is a gorgeous place. Mm. And the more I, uh, the more I researched this today, the more I thought I haven't been there since I was mm. seventeen. Wow. It it's been way too long. Is it like a resort area in the summer? It, it kind of is. Okay. And it's also. It's is it a just, winter sports area too? Yes. Okay. Uh, the facilities I'm talking about in in this story are now used as a training facility. Gotcha. Is they, it? They're never going to host a Winter Olympics. No, again. It's I too gotcha. small. Is it in the Adirondacks? Yes. Okay. Yep. So so they can do skiing and so. Mm-hmm. Is it a ski destination? In, oh, okay. Big time. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Whiteface Mountain is is hmm. there, which is literally sounds a, racist, but which, I get it. <laughs> I don't think they meant it that way. <laughs> But it's literally, Whiteface Mountain is literally, if you ski down that thing, mm-hmm. uh, professional skiers also did that. So it's like a Black Diamond or whatever the whole... Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't ski. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't do winter I skied, sports. I skied very rarely, and I kind of regret that, but I was too busy literally playing hockey when I was growing up. So Skiing's overrated. I feel it's like not. that it's fun. I feel that will be a controversial statement for our listeners, but to me, skiing is overrelated. Overrelated. <laughs> overrated. <laughs> I have a traumatic memory from the fifth grade in skiing. Mainly that they didn't give me any poles, and I feel that was highly hey, irresponsible. Hey, put it on your bootstraps. Just go down the hill. <laughs> I did. Go down the bunny hill. It which sucked. Is, which is what you were it doing. It sucked so fucking bad. It was literally the worst. It was a traumatizing childhood experience. So on to Lake Placid. You already said that. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I did. This, Lake- this episode is so ripe for one star yes, reviews. Yes. Please don't judge us <laughs> by this one. These are trying so, times, friends. They are. Lake Placid is classified as a village and is located in the Adir- Adirondack Mountains in Essex County, New York, about 75 miles southeast of where I grew up. <laughs> I love how you just say that like everyone knew where you grew up. I'm, I'm reading it. <laughs> so, but if you, like, in what direction, 75 miles from where you grew up? Southeast, I said. Oh, okay. So, so where is it in, like, relation it's to on Syracuse the, it's, or Albany? Well, or... Syracuse is central New York. Lake Placid is very close to the Vermont border. Oh, okay. So, okay. I gotcha. That that makes more sense. Okay. So, Lake Placid, along with the nearby Saranac Lake and Tupper Lake region, com- comprise of what is known as the Tri-Lakes region. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So, it's... it's Tri-Lakes. Yeah, it's... Saranac, Placid, and what was the third? Uh, Tupper Lake. Tupper. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. I, I have not been back there in so long, but mm-hmm. when I was going there, because my uh, older sister Trina competed in figure skating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, Empire State Games were held in Lake Placid every year. It was uh, state finals. Okay. Um, so I went there pretty much every year when I was a kid. And at that time they still had the old hotels with the, Mm. the huge foyer Uh when you walked in and the fireplace and the, and the The lodge feel. Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's, I hope that's still how it is, Mm -hmm. but we should go there. I would love to. When when anyone can go anywhere, we should, we should go. I really would. I'd like uh, writing about this all, 
also made me really miss this place. Homesick a little bit, yeah. You get that. So, on to the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. All right. U.S. coach, uh, U.S. head coach Herb Brooks held tryouts in Colorado Springs, Colorado in the summer of 1979. Is this Kurt Russell? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, anybody. (laughs) I'm sure, I I think a lot of people did see the movie. And if Um, you haven't, now's a great time to be streaming. (laughs) It is a really good movie. It's on Disney Plus, I'm sure. It's a really good movie. Uh, What that movie brought out to me more than anything else was, these were just kids. Well, let's get into it. I, I really kind of don't, but oh, that's okay. that's why I just, but that, that movie brought that out. It's like, these are just college kids just trying to, you know, get to the next level and so, they, and they have to face professional Russian players so at some they, point. So he just held like open tryouts or was it invite tryouts? Well, or? let's get into that. Okay. Of the 20 players who eventually made the final Olympic roster, Buzz Schneider was the only one returning from the 1976 Olympic team. So one veteran of the Olympics. Nine players on the final roster had played under Brooks at the University of Minnesota. Oh, go Gophers! Where he had been head coach since 1972. Uh, Those players included Rob McClanahan and Mike Ramsey, while four more were from Boston University, including goaltender Jim Craig and team captain Mike Aruzioni. You will hear that name. You will hear both of those names as we go along with our story. Okay. As Boston University and the University of Minnesota, so for all the non-college hockey fans, which is (laughs) everyone (laughs) uh, out there, the University of Minnesota is to college hockey what the University of Alabama is to college football. For those so, now, what about for those who are not college hockey or oh, college football oh, fans? Fuck, fuck those people. <laughs> <laughs> In layman's terms, if you want to play They're college hockey at the yeah. highest level, uh-huh. you go to the University of Minnesota. So it's not like these were scrubs from college hockey. No, these are the elite, these but are the, still of college. These are the elite American uh, amateur players. Yeah. Um, well, in the world, obviously. Right. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah, where did where did I leave off? Okay. Um, and hopefully, uh, <laughs> our nephew will get to go to one of those yes. colleges. Uh, he's thinking about going to uh Cornell. Cornell, yeah. Now, see, the only issue I have with Cornell is that was where um Andy Dwyer was. <laughs> <from the office. laughs> he, he did. He did. He kept talking about Cornell. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't learn anything. I didn't study. All I did was drink the whole time and had a Basically. great time. <laughs> and join an acapella group called Here yes, Comes Trouble. Here Comes Trouble, which is one of the greatest band names of all time. Not Andy Dwyer. He's from Parks and Rec. <laughs> Shit. What was his last name? Andy Bernard. Andy Bernard. I said Andy Dwyer. I just like to. Will you get your myself. Andys <laughs> on sitcoms on network sitcoms straight, straight please? I was like, Andy Dwyer doesn't sound right. And then I remember uh, Leslie Nub trying to get him to answer his phone, and she was like, Indy Dwyer. Anyway, nobody needed to hear that. Keep going. I'm out of truly. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I'm out of truly. So Boston University and the University of Minnesota <laughs> were perennial rivals in college hockey. For instance, they had faced off in a bitter nine, uh, NCAA national semifinal in 1976, and players from both squads who would make the mm-hmm. uh, Olympic team still had a still held a grudge oh, in against each other. So there's a little chippiness amongst teammates. Oh yeah. 
Brooks's selection process was a 300-question psychological test that Jesus would give Christ. him that would give him insight on how every player would react under stress, and anyone who refused to take the test would automatically fail. This is actually depicted in the movie Miracle. I I saw it once. We watched it together. Mm-hmm. It, I it really yeah, don't remember. They put it. it in there. Brooks had to select from 68 players who started the tryout to get the players to come together and play for one another. He offered them a common enemy. Enemy. <laughs> Is that what I said? Thank you. Said enemy. 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 Yeah, I think that's what it. Uh, whatever. I think you said enemy, but that's okay. So he offered them a common enemy, himself. Okay. Huh. Oh, so he was a dick, so that they could rally around mm. each other. So he... rally around the rally around the fire, pocket full of shells. He what? To quote, <laughs> to quote Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> Did <laughs> well, Zach appreciates that <laughs> yes, he does. that reference. I'm sure. What? Um, so that's that's quite the little mind game. Uh, oh, he's he's a tactician. Yes. They. I mean, uh, spoiler alert. They beat the Russians. Okay. <laughs> Don't spoil it now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this only but, happened forty years ago. But there's a reason that they beat this team. Wow. And it's because of him that's such an interesting leadership strategy so as somebody who is a leader in certain little pockets and such um it's really tough to strike the balance between being a hard ass and being like a friend oh oh well we're about to get into that okay his coaching style that so the average age of the U.S. team was 21 years old, oh, making it the youngest team in U.S. history to play in the Olympics, in addition to being the youngest team uh, in the 1980 Olympic tournament. So, so of all the teams, kids in general, they're, yeah. ki- they're kids. Yeah. I want to stress that. These are college kids. Yeah. S- essentially playing against, I mean, there are a lot of scrub nations that stood no chance, mm-hmm. but of the nations that did stand a chance, Russia. These uh, are developed. We're, we're going adult to people. We're going to get into countries that no longer exist. Yeah, right, like Yugoslavia. <laughs> uh, well, they did not play, but Czechoslovakia. Okay. Uh, East and West Germany. You know, mm-hmm. these were kids. Mm-hmm. They were kids. The Eastern Bloc teams that they were playing against, they were all professionals. Mm-hmm. Um. Downside of communism, a lot. Upside of communism, really great sports teams. <laughs> exactly, yes, and steroids. <laughs> um, so Brooks had selected certain players that he knew would fit into a new system that he had created, having famously famously said to his assistant coach, Craig Patrick. Go ahead, you're, you're fine. I'm not looking for the best players, I'm looking for the right ones, which is also depicted in the movie. Okay. So he was looking for, he had a system that he created, and he was like, who's going to fit into this? It mm. doesn't matter if they're the greatest at their position, or what, who can follow my strategy? That was his strategy. This guy's like a fucking mastermind. He was, from the get-go, he was oh. thinking, how do we beat the Soviet Union? Wow. Not, how do we medal, how do we place fifth, how do we place sixth? How do we show respect? How do we win? That's what he was thinking from the drop. That that takes some chutzpah there. Uh, yes. Or moxie. <laughs> it takes some chutzpah. As forward John or Harrington chutzpah. said, quote, he knew exactly where to quit. He'd push you right to the limit where, you'd, where you were ready to say, I've had it, I'm throwing it in, I quit. And then he'd back off. That There's something to be said about knowing when you've pushed 
what right before you push somebody too far. He's pushing all the right buttons and knows not to push a certain button when somebody's had enough. And he's just like, okay. I feel like the world is really lucky that this guy just wanted to be a hockey coach and not like a politician. He could have been a Stalin or a Hitler. Like, this is what happens when somebody with this level of, like, mental game uses it for just normal stuff. I see him more as a a JFK or a Bernie Sanders. Well, see, that's the thing. he He knows the pulse of... There's not a big difference between the people who use there this not, for good and the people are, who use this for bad. There are slight differences, and that's there what matters. critical differences, crucial mm-hmm. differences. Exactly. Wow. This is pretty hardcore. Brooks continued the organization by campaigning for the player <laughs> selection of Aruzioni as the captain, Mike Aruzioni, and Jim Craig. Okay there. Yes. And Jim Craig had been the goalie for him in the 1979 World Championship Tournament. So they played together. Assistant coach Craig Patrick had played with Brooks on the 1967 U.S. national team. How old was Herb Brooks? Uh, I think he Roughly. was in his uh, early 40s at this time, He's I want to say. Age. Yeah. A bit bad. Yeah, and he was also the head coach of, uh, well, he gave up being head coach at the University of Minnesota right. to coach yeah. the, uh, the Olympic team. Because this would have been during hockey season, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Uh, the Soviet and American teams were natural rivals due to decades-old Cold War, due, due, due to the decades-old Cold War, which was in full swing at the time. Jeez, no kidding. In addition, President Jimmy Carter was at the time considering a U.S. boycott of the 1980 Summer Olympic Games mm. to be held in Moscow. Oh, jeez. In protest of the December 1979 Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. Oh, God. On February 9th, 1980, the same day the American and Soviet teams met in an exhibition game in New York City, U.S. Secretary of State Cyrus Vance denounced the impending Moscow Games at an IOC meeting. President Carter eventually decided in favor of the boycott, which led to the Soviet Union boycotting the 1984 Olympic Summer Summer Games in Los Angeles. Wow, so everybody's just boycotting everybody. Well, and at the time, the Soviets are trying to decide, are we going to play the winter games? That's true, because so they're boycotting summer. Like everybody's boycotting each other's summer Olympics, mm-hmm. but then they're like, "Well, but that's pretty so much." Weird. Well, things were already in motion for the 1980 Winter Games, which is why the Soviets didn't. They're like, "We've already, <clears throat> we've already trained, we, our we already people, have all like, these resources. We've already spent the money on this, this, and, and that." And I bet you the other part is we can humiliate them, so let's just go ahead with it. Oh, we'll get into that. All right. So, yes, the the Soviets uh, boycotted the 1984 uh, Olympic Games in Los Angeles, while okay. we boycotted the 1980 Summer Games in Moscow. Mm, sounds about so, right. So, uh, tit for tat, which is, <laughs> which is yep. I mean, if you want a simple way of uh, summing up the Cold War, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it was. Or tit for tit, as Dwight Schrute said. Or just a dick-showing contest. Yeah. Like, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Oh, yours is a half an inch longer? Okay, You're we'll back off. You're being unusually vulgar this episode. I'm just saying that's how <laughs> men, old school men at the time, were running both nations. So that's exactly how they saw it. This is what happens when uh, this is what happens. white guys this, well, this is what happens. the world. This is what happens when egotistical people in general true, are controlling enough, everything. Yeah. And at this time especially, this is what happens when egotistical men are controlling nations. So it's literally the Cold War. I mean, you can sum it up as, like I said before, a dick-showing contest. Yeah, it's really Nothing... everybody digging in their heels mm-hmm. and for no good reason. Yeah. Yep. So now we're on to exhibition play. 
So That's now we right. have because that I remember, I kind of remember that mm-hmm. in the movie. Now we have what is going to happen in 1980, but these teams, especially the American team, they need to come together and they need to play other teams on the an games, international level yeah, uh-huh. in preparation for going to the Olympics. Yeah, that's interesting because, like, yeah, what is the... In individual sports, it's pretty easy to figure out the prep for, like, if you're a gymnast going to the Olympics or if you're a figure skater... You're against yourself. You're And you're you're running your routines constantly and you can do that any time. If you're a t- in a team sport, that's another you story. You have to play other teams. Yeah. Yeah. So, in September 1979, uh, before the Olympics, the American team started exhibition play. They played a total of 61 games in five months against teams from Europe and the United States. They also played against, like, college all-stars and stuff like that. Mm. Through these games, Brooks instilled a European style of play in his team, emphasizing wide-open play with sufficient body contact. <laughs> he believed it would be the only way for the Americans to compete to compete with the Soviets. What does that mean? I'm about to get into that. Okay, so, thank you. I have here in parentheses, mention the difference between the European... <laughs> And North American styles of play at the time. At the time. I got you. This is a historic context. Yes. So at the time, um, when I was growing up, I we very much felt the effects of this. I was a little kid growing up in the they 80s. They transitioned you sort of? Okay. Yes. The game, the style of play okay. transitioned. In North America. Yes. Okay. Um, what we mean, what I mean, what they mm-hmm. mean, what everybody means by the European style of play. Um, think of a left winger. You would think of a left winger as a left-handed you, shot. You lost me. Okay. I don't know what a left winger is. Left center. Abs- getting more abstract. Like picture. You've been to games. I have. But I don't know who the people. <laughs> I know them by name. I don't know them by the position. Okay, I'll, I'll put it to you this way: in modern parlance, uh-huh. in Carolina Hurricanes parlance, yeah. uh, our starting line right now is okay. Sebastian Aho at mm-hmm. center. Svechnikov. Tevo Teravainen at left wing and Svechnikov at right wing. Do you have to be left-handed and right-handed to play left wing and right wing? Well, that's what I'm about to get into. Teravainen is a right-handed shot playing on the left wing, which means... Wait, left as as they're facing or as you look at them? Facing forward, facing the goaltender. Look as if you're facing the goaltender. There's the goalie. You're a left-hand shot. No, you said Teravainen is a right-hand shot. Yeah, he is. He's playing on the right wing, and Svechnikov. He's playing on the left. No, no. And Svechnikov is a right winger with a left hand shot. That means goalie and soon goalie. <laughs> okay. That means your angles are right. Exactly. Okay, I get that. If you are a right handed shot coming down the right hand side on a goalie. He knows that there's no, always... No, but it's his left side. Just let me... Just, okay. Just please don't interrupt. Like, I'm just... I'm trying to explain. <laughs> if you're a right-handed shot coming down the ice, especially on the right wing, your options of where to shoot are very limited. And the goalie knows that. He knows that you can't beat him on the far side, most likely. But if you are a left-handed shot coming down the right wing, that means you can go across the ice... Your shooting options are much more wide open. That's what they mean by a European wide open style of play. It's, I know, it's it's hard to... Zach, please help me. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to explain. I didn't interrupt you. But your uh, 
but your shooting options and I played I played left wing for a little bit as a right-handed shot. Your shooting options are much more wide open because of your angles. Exactly. It's all an angles game. Exactly. So what, what changed between the old way of doing it and the new way of doing it? This did. The European style of play okay. was we're going to be all over the place. Gotcha. While, while as the North the American style school. was just up and down the ice, shoot, get a rebound if you can. And nothing fancy. Exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay, I get that. And see, you, you know, it and took you, like 10 minutes to explain. <laughs> and you see that style broadly across the NHL today. From the start of training camp and into exhibition play, Coach Herb Brooks had his team go through grueling conditioning drills. Mm. So I put in parentheses here mentioning Herbies. Okay, Herbies are what came to be known as, when I was growing up, suicides. I've heard of suicides, but in a basketball context. Yes. Uh just to give a little breakdown, I don't expect everyone to understand this. Mm-hmm. Okay, there are lines on the ice yeah. in Much like hockey. on the basketball court. Uh-huh. Uh, the red line at each end represents where the net is. Okay. Okay, that's 200 feet. Between those two red lines, each goal. Okay. Yes. So you would, and this usually happened at the end of practice. Oh, God. And it sucked a lot. You would have to skate from red line to red line. Okay. So now you're back on your original red line. Gotcha. Then to the opposing blue line and back, then to center ice and back. So everything is the... a little closer. Eventually. Time, eventually. You, yeah. I've seen I've seen guys throw up. You've told me that, yeah. Doing that. Just because of the exertion level. Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. It's Tr- brutal. Trust me, it's something you don't want to do. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I've like at least once in gym as a kid, I ran suicides. It's the same concept, just on a basketball court. Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yes, very, very much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, terrible name. Hopefully, they've changed it by now. But yeah, they probably have. And they the the players on this team nicknamed it Herbie's, <laughs> right? Because after of, the coach, yeah, him. Yeah. So on September seventeenth. Uh, 1970, uh, 1979, the team played to a 3-3 tie in Norway, and an angry Brooks had his team do conditioning drills after the game. Uh, oh, I remember this in the movie. It yeah. is in the movie. And after a while, arena custodians turned the lights off, oh. and the conditioning drills continued in the dark. Oh, God. Near the end of the exhibition season, Brooks, because of subpar play, threatened to cut team captain Micah Ruzioni from the team mm. and replace starting goalie Jim Craig with Steve Janizak to send a message to the team. Message received. Yeah, that's a that's a fucking dark message. In their last exhibition game against the Soviets at Madison Square Garden mm. on Saturday, February 9th, 1980, the Americans were crushed 10-3. Ooh, that's brutal. Soviet head coach Viktor Tikhonov later said that this victory, quote, turned out to be a very big problem by causing the Soviets to underestimate the American team. Yep. The game was also costly for the Americans off ice as defenseman Jack O'Callaghan, widely regarded the team's best defense defenseman, mm-hmm. pulled a limigit, limigit, <laughs> pulled a ligat, ligament <laughs> in, his, okay. in his knee. Thank you. A limigant. Limigant. A limigant. <laughs> Ligaments. Let's 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 be honest. We're all drinking a lot right now, so ligament. It's okay. Ligament is a tough word to say. Ligament. <laughs> ligament. Thank you. He pulled a ligament in his knee. However, Brooks kept O'Callahan on the roster. Hmm. 
O'Callaghan eventually returned for the game against the Soviets, playing limited minutes. But we're not even okay. Yeah, we're not even close to that yet. So now we're they're on, warming up basically right now. Yeah. Right. So now we're into the Olympics. We're into okay. Olympic group play. What is group play? Well, let's get into that. The 1980 Winter Olympic ice hockey competition featured a total of 12 nations and two separate six-team groups. Brackets, essentially. Mm-hmm. Each team would play a total of five games within their group, so they're oh, not okay. they're okay. not playing the other group at all. Okay. Until they're playing, the until they're all the medal each other mm-hmm. okay. until the medal round. Um, with the top two teams in each group going on to play in the medal round. The blue division consisted of the United States, Sweden, Romania, country that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. Yeah, Romania's does still around. Yeah. I thought it was part of the Czech Republic. No. Okay. No, Romania's oh. Romania. Oh, They've had a lot of shit happen, but they're Romania. Very nice. <laughs> West Germany, which definitely does not exist anymore. No, that's that's correct. Norway and Czechoslovakia, which Czechoslovakia, also does yeah. not exist anymore. <laughs> the should should we um very greatly insist that it's like a non-existent country to make people give us one-star reviews about our geography flaws. <laughs> I feel bad for thinking that Romania was not a country anymore, but I mean, anyway. you're making me rethink it, but my so sister went we, there we, like 10 we, years ago. We will go on. The Red Division... I'm going to look it up so while you're talking about the I Red know. Division. So we have the Blue and the Red Division. The Red Division consisted of the Soviet Union... Canada, Finland, Poland, the Netherlands, and Japan. Romania is a country. Nice. Good. <laughs> yeah, it was a total area of 238, 397 square kilometers. I'd noticed the colors, though. Uh, in the game they played against the United States, they were wearing all, well, yellow, as I've always called it, but all gold. Okay. Like gold pants, gold From tops. From the flag. Mm-hmm. Um... The games would take place at the Olympic Fieldhouse, now known as Herb Brooks Arena. Which when held you it, played in it, was it called Herb it, Brooks? It was, just, it was just the Olympic Village when okay. I played there. Uh, what year was this that you played there? The last time I played there was 1994. What was the first time you played there? Uh, probably as a mite. I'm thinking in the mid-80s. Okay. Yeah. So I, I played there a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, look at me, I'm awesome. it must have been a really cool experience though well like like i i I think i mentioned this earlier the results of this uh tournament hang high above like it was something that uh american hockey players looked up to sure Mm -hmm. it was like they did it let's see what we can do Mm -hmm. it was inspirational Mm -hmm. highly inspirational yes but where i grew up because we grew up so close to the canadian border it was like let's see what we we can do let's see if we can beat the shit out of canada (laughs) canada's our friend and i mean that figuratively and literally (laughs) well you hockey players you're violent people so uh, the games were held at the Olympic Fieldhouse, now known now known as Herb Brooks Arena, which held a capacity crowd of eight thousand, and mm. at Olympic Arena, which held a capacity crowd of twenty five hundred. All medal round games were played in the larger Olympic yeah, Fieldhouse. Coming into group play, the Americans were not favored to make the medal round, and experts had them finishing sixth overall. Mm. The favorites were the Soviets to win the gold, obviously, yeah. with Czechoslovakia and Sweden winning silver and bronze. That may, well, they won. Soviet Union won the last four. 
Or well, they yeah, are. They are the no-brainers to win the gold. The odds-on I mean, favorite, as it were. Not even odd. I'm, I'm sure the Las Vegas line was. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want this team to win, you're gonna have to put up a hundred dollars to one, mm. and you'll make out with five dollars. Right. <laughs> so, Am I remembering right that your dad went to the eighty? Like, I'll, oh, okay. I'll get into that. Okay. So. The United States, now we're in group play game one of group play. Okay. So now we're in the Olympics. So This is the first game of the Olympics. And this is like some sort of ranked thing, not like if you lose your it's No, it's it's a round robin between teams in your own group. So everybody's everybody's going to have to play each other. And best of, or there's like a ranked system? We'll get into that. So as they would have it, the United States would face off against bronze medal favorite Sweden... In game one. Okay. The game was tied one-to-one going into the third period when Swedish player and future Philadelphia Flyer mm. Thomas Eriksson scored four minutes and 45 seconds into the frame to take a two-to-one lead. With just 27 seconds left in the game, defenseman and future Montreal Canadian Colorado Rocky. Yes, the Colorado Rockies were an NHL team at the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not a baseball team. Right. Uh... St. Louis Blues and New York Rangers player. He bopped around. <laughs> Bill Baker scored on a slap shot to tie the game at two, which is tur- which turned out to be the final score. Wow. In gloop. In uh, gloop. In gloop play. In gloop. In gloop <laughs> play. In group play, there is no overtime. A tie gives oh, I you. Didn't know that. A tie gives you one point. A win, okay. two points, and a loss yielding zero. zero points. So it's whoever has the most points after the. Mm-hmm. In group play, in that's group how they're play. gonna. Mm-hmm. Rank everybody. That's how the, that's how the standings are going to be. Who okay. has the most total points? The tie score against a team favored to win a medal was a huge confidence boost for the Americans, and they would ride that wave throughout the rest of group play. So now we're in group games two through five. In game two of group play, the U.S. team would face off against the favorite for the silver medal in Czechoslovakia. Look at how cute Demetrius is. Being. I see that. I'm just focused on something else. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, now he's biting me. The Czechs were widely considered the second best team in international play, next to the Soviets, of course, which they had defeated several times in an in exhibition play leading up to the 1980 Olympic Games. The Czechs, so, so the Czechs were up there. They're, they're And they're still good. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's... Well, no, now they're the Czech Republic, correct? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Team USA would go on to defeat them by a score of 7-3. to three. Wow! In Game Three, they defeated Norway five to one, and in Game Four, they defeated Romania seven to two. So these are not close games. No, they started they're out blowing. With a close te- they're game. blowing teams out. Wow! Having collected seven points, three wins and one tie, mm-hmm. coming into their final group play ga- game, mm-hmm. the Americans had still not clinched a spot wow. in the medal round. It's a highly contested. Team USA was playing its final group play game against West Germany, while Sweden and Czechoslovakia would play each other in their final group match. So it kind of depended on who, oh, on how the outcomes. US did and how they did yes. the other game one. Yeah. Team USA, at a minimum, would have to secure a tie, which still did not guarantee them a spot yeah. in the medal round, as the medal round tiebreaker was total goals scored. Oh, wow. Czechoslovakia led in total goals scored with 32, with Sweden having scored 22, and Team USA trailing both with 21. Wait, even with the way they trounced those teams, they were not goal leaders? No. How? In other words, they had to win to get in. Yeah. 
A tie would not would likely not get it done, even though they had wildly exceeded expectations. Hmm. Team USA trailed West Germany two to nothing heading into the second period. The Americans would go on to score two goals in the second, followed by scoring two goals in the third to win the game four to two. As uh, Peter Morazic last year, when the Hurricanes finally mm-hmm. made the playoffs, mm-hmm. stated, "We're in, we're in, <laughs> yes, yes, woo!" <laughs> So cute. Sweden also went on to defeat the Czechs by a score of 4-2, to two, and the only likely threat to defeat the Soviets did not qualify for the medal round, being Czechoslovakia. Oh, okay. Sweden would go on to play Finland in the gold medal semifinals, while the United States would go on to play the Soviet Union mm-hmm. in, the old, in the other gold medal semifinal matchup. And then whoever won each of those matches. Yeah. Shit just got real. Shit got real. So let's back away from the sport of hockey for a second and oh dear. let's focus on the state, the state, the state the of state the of union the state. Yep. Mm-hmm. on America, on America, <laughs> in should, America. Should we try this again later? No, no we shouldn't. <laughs> we need to power through. It's too we? much comic gold for everybody. <laughs> or, or one star review fodder. Yes. Either that, or. That too. <laughs> in America, you... Please feel feel warranted to leave a one-star review for this one. We'll have fun next week with it. <laughs> so, America on February 22nd, 1980, which was the day of the Miracle on Ice. Mm-hmm. The United States at the turn of the decade is an unfamiliar place to most of us. Many of you listening, not born yet, including my lovely wife and co-host, Rachel. <laughs> well, you know what, though? Um... We have, uh, I'm very proud of our 40 plus contingent, many of whom remember, well, Mm -hmm. or were around at this time, Mm -hmm. and uh, some of whom remember it. Mm -hmm. Teddy, our female mail carrier, is a very wonderful person with knowledge and memories of this era, and she's fantastic. Yeah, I don't. I had just turned three years old and don't remember anything. Well, it'd be a little weird if you did. There were long lines for gas due to the oil embargo That's thrust right. upon thrust upon us by member nations of OPEC, OPEC being the Organization of mm-hmm. Arab Petroleum Exporting Countries. Which is ironic because right now gas is a little cheap in the US. <laughs> the Soviets had just invaded Afghanistan. We were still uh, reeling from the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. the counterculture movement, and the overall generational divide. Something that has come to be again today. Ah. Well, to be fair, a lot of that just happens cyclically. But uh, this we've talked about it. The 70s were a wild yes. time. Wild, wild time. I feel like maybe the 2000s are on, like, on path to, uh, I would say trump that, but that might be a little on the nose. That might be. Yes, it might be. Unemployment was at an all-time high uh, since World War II, and there was an overall feeling of despair. The Soviet Union had proved to be a steady antagonist as the two nations battled it out over the space race, scientific, scientific achievements, and overall national pride. We've talked about the Soviet Union quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It has come up in many of our disasters. American confidence was at an all-time low since the end of World War II, and there was seemingly no way out of that feeling. Uh Except people thought to um, elect Ronald Reagan. <laughs> well, not yet. Jimmy Carter <laughs> is still there. This is before that. Yes, this is before just that. Just before. <sighs> the political back- background of this game alone would elevate it to, nas- to the national conscience 
of each nation, let alone the eventual outcome of the game. The Soviets felt as if they were the greatest nation in the world and were on a mission to prove it. The Americans were mostly looking to just hold on. I, I almost feel like we could use a little more just holding on and a little less thinking we're the greatest nation in the world because we kind of have a problem with we that here We need to uh, put our focus back to because if we were the greatest nation in the world, <laughs> we wouldn't be just holding on now, would we? But here's the problem. We keep acting like we are. Well, uh, there, there's something to be said for that as well. But that's a different topic. That's on our all bad politics. <laughs> because channel. this has been completely on topic. So now mm-hmm. we have come to the miracle. The miracle. Given that the two teams were in separate groups and had drastically different expectations, the odds that the Americans would even play the Soviets were slim uh, at best. Yeah. Coming into the game, the Soviets won all five of their group play contests, finishing group play with 51 goals scored while giving up only 11. So the average score of their games was 10 to 2. Jeez, man. The Americans, meanwhile, had an impressive run of their own, tying and defeating two teams that were favored to win a medal. They had a gritty style of play that took their opponents off guard. The Soviets, however, were a machine. Well, they... They they, knew... They knew they were the best team in the world. Their opponents knew they were the best team in the world. And worst of all, they knew that their opponents knew that they were the best team in the world. The Americans stood no chance. You know that uh, pride goeth before a fall, right? Oh, yeah. To get all Old Testament on us again. Oh, we're about to learn a lesson in that. Mm-hmm. Prior to the Friday game, the ABC network that was covering the Olympic Games requested that it be rescheduled from 5 o'clock p.m. to 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time, prime time. so that it could be broadcast live in, prime time, in primetime. Prime time. Mm-hmm. However, the IIHF, or the International mm-hmm. Ice Hockey Federation, yeah. declined the, requ- the request after the Soviets complained that it would cause the game to air at 4 a.m. Moscow oh. time as opposed to 1 a.m. Okay, well, to be fair, they have a little bit of a point there. They do. I mean... And we'll, we'll get into that. Okay. As a result, ABC decided not to broadcast the game live for the U.S. audience and That's tape right. delayed it oh for broadcast <laughs> during its primetime block of Olympus, Olympics coverage. Before the game aired, oh, ABC's Olympics host, Jim McKay, openly stated that the game had already occurred, but that mm-hmm. they had promised not to spoil its results. Oh. In order to accommodate, and there was no social media, so there was no, no spoilers. There's there. no, yeah. and newspapers literally come out the next day. Right, there's like, no way of, mm-hmm. unless you know somebody that you can call. Which well, again, the people there are who no were cell there phones. knew, and yeah, people there, like going to the payphone to tip off the newspaper. And I'm sure reporters were doing that. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. There is no instant mm-hmm. information in 1980. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, Twelve hours ago is considered instant information. Breaking news. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, were telegraphs still a thing in 1980? Uh, not necessarily, no. I mean, AT&T, which is... Am I ask- asking a really dumb question? No, you're not. Because I feel like 1980 no, was a thousand years ago? Um, telegraphs had literally been taken over by the telephone. By this, oh, very much by this time. So everyone was if just... We're, like, if, we're, if we're literally talking 40 years earlier, mm-hmm. yes, telegraphs are still in play. It'd but, be interesting uh, to talk to your mom, your dad, or um, Renee... Uh, my mom and dad, this. when they were growing up, uh, when they became young adults, would have had to... No, no, no. What they remember about this. I'm oh, I know. about this specific event. But they would have also, at that time, had to have rented a phone. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I gotcha. You didn't buy a phone. I know. But I'm saying this this event. I've talked to my dad about this. Okay. Yeah. What about um, your mom? Uh, I, maybe. I don't know. What about uh, Renee? I don't think so at all. Should I name more family members <laughs> so uh, Emily can try and put out your I family will, tree more? I will mention what my dad did not okay. do <laughs> later in this episode. <laughs> did he not go? And he could have. <laughs> so in oh, order Lord. to accommodate coverage of the men's slalom competition. Slalom. Slalom. Which is, That's skiing. Yes, downhill yeah. skiing. Portions, portions of the game were also edited for time. Wait, I'm sorry. They broadcast an edited version of this? Yes, they did. <laughs> and get this. ABC's 8 to 8.30 p.m. time slot was instead devoted to the animated special The Pink Panther in Olymp Pinks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <coughs> this is how little America is, thinks of hockey. This is 1980, folks. And yes, and you literally have six sports going on in the now in the Winter Olympics. There must be oh, twenty. Yes. Well, I mean, again, I think I mentioned this earlier. Extreme sports and action sports did not exist in nineteen eighty. Right, so like snowboarding. And they all were that literally shit. just starting. Mm-hmm. They were literally just starting by teenage As kids sports, yeah. in California. Kids, teenage kids, kids. kids in California. Uh, mm-hmm. Watch the documentary. Um, Dogtown. That yes. Thing. Um, what is it? Dogtown and Z Boys. Dogtown and Z Boys. That's right. It chronicles where skateboarding came from. It, mm-hmm. It's narrated by Sean Penn, and it is a fantastic documentary. Just like I think we watched it together. Just like um, street art mm-hmm. has spawned a lot of amazing art. Street sports have uh, street art them. grew out of. Um, uh, spray painting things on trains. Ah, a graffiti, basically, yep. yeah. And the whole basquete and all that Spray painting things on trains at that time was a huge thing if you could do it right because the train was going to travel. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. people would see your art like all over the country. Mm-hmm. But anyway. So the Pink Panther in <laughs> Olympics That's so sad. is what people are watching at 8 o'clock at night waiting for the, the game to come on. Like this game that will be known for decades. Which is the most significant sporting event in American history, period. I don't think it's, I don't think that's going too far out of range to say that. I mean, well, okay, it's up. It's definitely up there. I'm thinking like. It is because it's. The Thrilla and Manila. It is because it's a. It is because you're talking about a national team. You're not talking about An the individual. You're I not gotcha. talking about the New York Rangers going against the Montreal Canadiens. Those are individual clubs. We are talking about the United States. All of those players are wearing that crest on their jersey at a very <laughs> nationalistic time. I I gotcha. Playing I gotcha. against the Soviet Union, which at this time kind of has the upper hand. I mean, the more than kinda. You couldn't. You cannot repeat the political and zeitgeist. You can't. Today. I mean, you really couldn't. Because if our ice hockey team was to play Iraq, we would fucking destroy them. (laughs) Well, I mean, in all fairness, they don't have a ton of ice to work with. Exactly. (laughs) But that's what I'm saying. Like, you couldn't, you can't recreate these conditions today. You just can't. We should probably keep going. Look at how far in we are. I know. Oh my God, this is the eternal episode that won't end. To this day, some who watch the game on television still believe that it was live and not tape delayed, which was a very common practice for all sporting events at the time. They still do that. The other 
huge tape-delayed game that people think they saw live was the 1979 men's college basketball Final Four between Indiana State and Michigan Michigan State, which featured Larry Bird <gasps> and Magic Johnson. Oh, my God. In another famous example of a tape-delayed classic game. They still do that for the Olympics, I know, because of time differences. They do, but... But they'll tell you it's tape-delayed. But tape they delayed. also open up other channels like, oh, this is Olympics Channel 2, yeah. and so we'll show it live. if you want to watch it at 3 o'clock in the morning, you can't. Live, you can pay an extra five mm-hmm. bucks and see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at this time... The technology wasn't even there. At this time, they were like... They sent crews out to tape all the events. Like, okay, this is the schedule for these events that we're going to broadcast live. Everyone was just lucky there was videotape at Mm -hmm. the time. (laughs) Well, I mean, we're talking 1980. I mean, TV and film have come a long way. But you watch video from back then, and it's Uh, just like... I watched uh, the game between... I watched this game. Okay. The whole game? Yes. The... Yes. That's super cute. Um, and I watched the gold medal. Uh, well, we'll get there. Oh, okay. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, no spoiler alerts. This was 40 years ago. <laughs> exactly. Play-by-play commentator and commentator it's who we... Marv Albert, right? No? Al, Al Michaels. Al Michaels, that's right. Is he the Who we have mentioned boomer? before. Yes. Who we mentioned before. Okay, boomer. <laughs> in our uh, World Series earthquake episode. That's right. He just is... He's in he everything. He does everything. He's in everything. Oh my God. Al Michaels is like Jesus, but not really. And I'll, and, and I'll, Al Michaels is a, is a big time hockey fan. He's a huge hockey fan. Really? Yes. I'm not sure I would have known that. I, I read his uh, I read his biography uh, a couple of years ago and... He's, he he's a huge hockey fan. Simultaneously, seems like he's fifty and twenty five thousand years old. I think I think twenty five thousand might be more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> I think Is he fifty. Like 80 I th- or something? He's got to be eighty. Just, I would think he dies his he's, hair, right? Uh, yes, he's uh, seventy. Poorly, he's seventy something at the very least at this point. Hey Siri, <laughs> how old is Al Michaels? Michaels is 75 years old. Oh, so he's younger than 75. my dad. I was okay. going to put him right on par. But, so but basically the he same was born in 1945. That's very close to your mm-hmm. dad. Yep, my dad was born in 41. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure I knew your dad was that old. My dad's going to be 80. Oh, my God. Uh, next, next year. year. Yes. <laughs> well, that is a that is a testament to Omer because he does not he seem does like not. he's 80. If you met my dad, you would think he was... 60 something which would be a compliment to 70? somebody who's I would 79 say 70. i would say 70 trying to give a him spry a, 70 trying to give him a break he's here. a spry 70 <laughs> so he again he doesn't know what a podcast is this is he fine doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> so play-by-play commentator al michaels opened the broadcast and lead up to the in in the lead up to puck drop where he noted quote I'm sure there are many people in this building that don't know the difference between a blue line and a clothesline. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. <laughs> meaning... He was 35 at the time. Meaning people... I just realized that. Meaning people are there for the game. Yep. The, the, under, mean, the, under, the, the understanding of hockey is probably very foreign to most of them, but they, they do know this. The more goals you score, you win. That's what they realized. understand. 40 years ago, Al Michaels was 35. 40 years ago, Al Michaels was my age. And I was this game. And I was three. <laughs> well, but I wasn't 35 no, you back then. No. <laughs> well, we've got to fucking make it through this. Oh, my let's God. Let's move on, shall we? Holy shit. With a capacity crowd of 8,500, including standing room tickets, which my dad apparently had one. Oh, no. 
And just didn't go to the game. That's such a your dad thing to do. Well, because as he's explained to me, he was like, they weren't going to win. He was like, it, oh my God. Does he still have the ticket? That I don't know. If he if he does, uh, that fucker's going on eBay. <laughs> no, um, ask him to leave it to you in the will. That's <laughs> actually, but, yeah, I, I sounded sad saying that, but yes. I would not put that ticket on eBay. No. I would hang on to it. Absolutely. That's a great memento. Um, but that is such, can I say, that's such a you thing to say. What? Like, that's, there are, t- some, there are times when you remind me of your mom, and there are times when you remind me of your dad. There's a lot more times when you remind me of your dad, and that's one of them. He, yeah, he didn't go to this, like, literal historic event because he was like, yeah, he's not going to win. like, whatever. Like, like there was a little bit of laziness in it. I'm not calling you or your dad lazy. I was going to say, my dad is definitely not lazy. You can he's, call me lazy. That's he's fine. um casual in his own way. Yeah, he, just, he was just like... He's a very casual person. He was like, and, and famously saying, I didn't know they were going to win. <laughs> <laughs> like he's, he's, Nobody did! He said that to me. Over! I was like, that's kind of why you go to the game, to find out. <laughs> But he was just like. <laughs> but anyway. But that that does go to show you sort of it, the, it's it's my dad the mindset it's, of it's, a lot of people. I'm sure it's complete, he was the only he person. was not the only one, and it's yeah. completely my dad. He's just like ah whatever, fuck it. it and I bet yeah. he he doesn't regret that he didn't go either. Uh, he might. I don't know. I never asked him that question specifically, but your dad does not strike me as someone who regrets much. No. Nah. Yeah. So the Olympic Fieldhouse was packed. The home crowd waved U.S. flags and sang patriotic songs such as God Bless America. Oh, God, I hate that song. Before the game, head coach Herb, Bro- Herb Brooks read his player's statement that he'd written on a piece of paper. Oh, no, a this written is, statement. This is also depicted in the movie um, Miracle, telling them that, quote, You were born to be a player. You were meant to be here. This moment is yours. Unquote. Brooks believed that they could win and later said, quote, The Russians were ready to cut their own throats, but we had to get to the point to be ready to pick up the knife and hand it to them. So the morning of the game, I called the team together and told them, It's meant to be. This is your moment, and it's going to happen. It's kind of corny, and I could see them thinking, Here goes Herb again, but I believed it. That That's a coach. Oh, it's... That's a fucking coach. Kurt Russell nailed that performance. Mm-hmm. He really did. Um, having been, I, I've never pay, played on a professional level, mm-hmm. obviously, but having seen his performance in that movie, I'm like, that's a hockey coach. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, oh, you got hurt. You want, you want some milk and cookies? You know, fuck off. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a sport for. That's how I that that and it's I'm sure it's still the mentality of the game. Like this is not a sport for. Um, I don't want to say weak-minded because that's unfair. It's not a sport for people who don't know what's coming. I'll put it that there way. There you go. That's a that's a good way to put it. Yeah, like you must be prepared for what you are going to be asked to yeah. do. And, um, I still put football as as far as a physicality level mm-hmm. on a different level because Agreed. in football you're getting hit. Every in play. all sorts like of every single and time. in all sorts of places. Yeah. Um, in hockey, you're getting hit in certain places. The difference being, the impact of those hits in hockey is far greater hmm. than it is in football because you can only run so fast. Mm-hmm. People can skate. Oh very my god, fast. dangerously fast! Yeah, absolutely. 
But just the, like, I feel like her Brooks was playing on some sort of, like, meta level that... Oh, he was... He was on a mental level that no one else was. He was playing a different game than everybody else was. It was like, he was a chess master thinking 12 steps ahead. Mm Mm-hmm. That's exactly like, what he was. He's like he was immediately thinking, even before he got the head coaching job, how do we beat the Soviets? That was his whole mindset. And that's the, that's the thing is that's what differentiates someone between, um, oh, he did a good job, and this is a legend. And and the tricky part of it is is that there's a trade off between those two, right? He was a dick too. Oh yeah, he was a I major would, dick. I would not. I would not want to have played under the sky. And that's He would have the... drove me nuts, and that was his whole goal. You know, and it's so I funny. I would have wanted to fucking kill him. Yep. And that's, and, and that's exactly what... And you know what he was thinking was, that's what they need. Well, you even said they mm-hmm. need a common enemy, basically, right? They need someone to rally around as, like, to bond to over To bring as, themselves as together. As the asshole. Mm-hmm. So if I have to be that asshole to make them think that, then that's what I'm going to do. And that's like a, God, that's a leadership level beyond. Oh, yeah. He's, to pull this off is, I mean, it it goes with everything. It goes with how the players played and it goes with a lot of things. But it's mostly, I think mostly it's with the mentality that the coach instilled in them because Mm -hmm. he would say just about every practice, somebody's going to beat those guys. Just chipping away, just somebody's going to beat them. At their own mental barriers. Like, striking the balance between, I'm going to make you hate me, and I'm going to make you win. Mm-hmm. That's that's such a, like, yeah, whew, that's mind-blowing. Yes. That's, that's pretty mind-blowing. So now, we are at the official February 22nd, 1980. Oh my god, we are just starting the game. And this is the first period of the Miracle on Ice, um, an hour and 49 <laughs> oh minutes in the episode. <laughs> We apologize. This might be the megaest mega We apologize, this dear is listeners. This our COVID mega And we're not even close to being done. Oh, how many but anyway, pages? Uh, we may have uh, to just... Several more. Oh, God. So. Okay. But. Rally. Mental toughness. I want to I wanna keep your peak interest. Go for it. Here. And everybody else's here. I can do it. I have a lot of fortitude. So in the first period. Yeah. As in several previous games, the U.S. team fell behind early. Vladimir, oh, we're going to get into many Russian names, which will be fun. <laughs> Vladimir Krutov deflected a slap shot by Alexei Kasatanov. Oh, past... you're giving us liter- a literal play-by-play. Yes, I am. That's oh, that's honey. how this whole game is going to go. Oh, my God. <laughs> past U.S. goaltender Jim Craig at the 9-12 mark of the first period to give the Soviets a 1-0 lead. At the 14-03 mark, Buzz Schneider, defenseman for the United States, scored on a 50-foot-long uh Slap shot from the left boards to tie the game. 1-1? One, 1-1. One. One, one. Which was a huge, just even be just, tied. They Well, and not get shut out. Mm-hmm. The Soviets struck again when Sergei Makarov scored just two with just two minutes and 27 seconds left in the period. With his team down 2-1, to one, U.S. goaltender Jim Craig made several key saves, turning away many Soviet shots before the team... <laughs> For the U.S. team had another shot on goal. Um, watching the game, too, the Soviets hit the post twice. Oh, wow. So there was, this was close. Mm-hmm. Now, was this... The goalie was one of the guys that um, Herb Brooks threatened to cut, right? Yes, he was. Okay. In the waning... All right, get this. In the waning seconds of the first period, American defenseman Dave Christian fired a slap shot on Trediak 
uh, uh, Vladislav Tretiak, who was the, the Russian goalie. goaltender mm-hmm. from Center Ice. The Soviet goalie saved the shot, but misplayed the rebound, which bounced right onto U.S. forward Mark Johnson's stick. He sliced between the two Soviet defenders and fired the puck past an out-of-position Tretiak, considered to be the best goalie in the world at the time, Wow! to tie the game at 2-2 with just one second left in the first period. The video of the goal being scored is commonly used as, as an example of never giving up on a play. Fair enough, yeah. Well, because it was on the rebound, yeah. Second period. <laughs> this is kind of your live stream, isn't it? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Soviet head coach Viktor Tikhanov replaced starting goalie Vladislav Tretiak with backup goaltender Vladimir Mishkin immediately after Johnson's tying goal, a move that shocked players on both teams. Wait, so can I... Um, summarize, they swapped out the goalies. They did. Okay. And it shocked This guy out. swapped out, widely regarded the best goaltender in the world. Why? Well, nobody really knows, but let's get into that just hmm. for a tad. Tikhanov later identified this as the quote-unquote turning point of the game and called it quote-unquote the biggest mistake of my career. Wait, hey. Who's the 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 coach's, the coach's yes. mis- okay. it was the coach's mistake. This is a coach's game to win or lose, huh? Years later, when forward Mark Mark Johnson asked Soviet mm. forward Vyacheslav Fetisov, at the time teammates uh, mm. with the NHL's Detroit Red Red Wings, about oh, the hey, move. Oh, hey Zach! Yes, Speaking hello, of Zach, Zach. He's he, getting kn- a lot of shout-outs. he knows who Fetisov is. Yeah. Fetisov responded with "quote unquote coach crazy." Oh, it's just like, meaning, like, I don't fucking know what he was thinking. That's so interesting. I believe Fatisov was on their, he was at least on one of their Stanley Cup winning teams in, I think, 97 or 98. He might have been on both. So he had some glory in his days, but. And this is, and this is 18 years earlier. So he was, but I'm pretty sure he won a cup with the Red Wings. Pretty sure. So, so this sounds like it was kind of a coach's game to win or lose. It was two coaches playing Strategy. against each other. Absolutely. And this Strategy. was a really bad call on the Russian coaches. It was a reactive call on the Russian. Mm. It was like, oh, he gave up two goals. Get him out of there. Because he still wasn't taking the Americans seriously. The second goal that. was literally the fault of the two Russian defensemen. Because mm. they literally, if you watch but it. But he took it out on the goalie. Right. Yeah. If you watch it on video, they literally stopped playing. Stopped. Literally just stopped. Jeez. Because it was the end of the period. And Mark Johnson was like, I'm gonna keep going and let's see what still running. and let's see what happens. And what happened was he tied the tied the score at two to two with a second left Jeez. in the first period. This is this is really miraculous, it sounds like. <laughs> Michigan allowed no goals in the second period. Oh, okay. While the Soviets dominated play, outshooting the Americans just twelve to two. Jeez! But Wait, they only got the, two the, shots in the on whole goal, period. In the whole period. Oh my god! But the Soviets scored only once on a power play goal by Alexander Maltsev, two minutes and eighteen seconds into the frame. Wow! So it was a, a kind of a just a uh, you know when when they. They were butting heads. What's the word I'm looking for? Deadlock. Yes. That's the word. But not exactly because the Soviets are up three to two. But after that, it was deadlock. So after two periods, the Soviet Union led three to two. This is where the American team really felt confident that they could win. 
Well, because they had they had them. been they had been in this position pretty much all tournament long, mm-hmm. regardless uh, of like one or two games. They were always going into the third down. You know, goal. the never underestimate the power of being the underdog. Like there are many many circumstances in which people very much do their best when they are underestimated. A lot of times people who are expected to do their best fold under the pressure. As several players have said, they expected going into the third period to be down by six goals. Mm. They're down by one, and they're like... This is highly winnable. They're like, we can do this. Confidence. They're, they're like, we can, we've can. we been here before. We can do this. Yep. So the third period. <laughs> Vladimir Krutov was sent... Krutov. Krutov. <laughs> Was sent to the penalty box at 6 minutes and 47 seconds of the third period for high sticking. The Americans, who had managed only two shots on Michigan in 27 minutes, again... Michigan? Michigan. Michigan. Vladimir Michigan. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just figuring Michigan is... Those two shots team. came in the period previously. They still did not have a shot on goal in the third period Six at minutes this point. in. Yes. <coughs> so that granted them a power play and a rare offensive opportunity. Late in the, mm. I'm not going to get into power play and please don't. penalty kill. And please don't. You, look, you, we're you almost look at two hours. You can please look that up don't. on your own. <laughs> do your homework. God, Basically, a power play homework. means you have one more player than the opposing team yep, does. Yep, yep, yep. And penalty kill, just the opposite. Yep. <laughs> because cheaters never prosper. Late in the power play, Dave Silk, great name. That is a great name. Was advancing into the Soviet zone when Valery Vasilyev knocked him to the ice. Once again, the puck found its way to Mark Johnson's stick, and he fired off a wrist shot that went under Michigan's blocker and into the net at the 8.39 mark, just as the power play was ending, tying Tying the game at three with his second goal of the game. Jeez, does he get a hat trick? He does not. Okay. Spoiler alert. Just one minute and 21 seconds later, the impossible happens. Ooh. Chills. Forward Mark Pavlich passed to Mike, uh, team captain Mike Ruzioni, who was left undefended in the high slot. Ooh. Ruzioni, whose name in, in Italian literally means eruption, <laughs> That's had just come onto the ice and fired a shot past Michigan, who was screened by one of his own defensemen to take a 4-3 lead with exactly 10 minutes left in the game. Oh my, so halfway through the third, they're up for the first time. As every player is quoted as saying in the HBO documentary, we took the lead, we realized there were 10 minutes left, and we were all thinking, 10 minutes is way too long to hold that these guys off. That is a very long time, yeah. They all said, we did our shifts. We did what we had to do, and we skated back to the bench and just watched the clock. That's all they They're did. They're just trying to run it out. Mm-hmm. The Soviets, trailing for the first time in the game, yeah. attacked ferociously. Of course. Moments after Ruzioni's goal, Maltsev fired a shot which ricocheted off the right goal post. God, again? And as, yes, they hit a lot of posts in this Jeez. game. I think they hit the post a total of like five five times in oh this game. Oh my God, so it could have gone either way five times. I mean, I mean, and just the play, the Americans held their own, but this, I mean, watching the game, the Soviets are clearly the better team. Man. Like, it's just, most of these guys could still play in today's game. Hmm. I mean, they, they could, and some of them did, um, as we'll get into later. How much later just are as, we? Just as you wanted to. We're two hours in. Are we almost <laughs> it's done? okay. 
So moments after Aruzioni's goal, <laughs> uh, Russian player uh, Maltsev fired a shot which ricocheted off the right goal post. As the minutes wound down, Brooks, uh, American head coach Herb Brooks, kept repeating to his players, quote, play your game, play your game. Just, just do your fucking job. Mm-hmm. Don't think too much, just do your job. Instead of going into a defensive crouch, the United States continued to play offense and getting off a few more shots on goal. That's the right strategy. The Soviets then began to shoot wildly, and many players admitted mm-hmm. later on that, quote, we were panicking. That was the fatal flaw. Never panic. Never panic. The Americans fully expected Soviet head coach Viktor Tikhonov to pull the goalie in the waning seconds. Hmm. To their surprise, Michigan stayed in the game. Soviet forward Sergei St- uh, Starikov later explained that, quote, we never did six on five, not even in practice because Tikhonov just didn't believe in it. Huh. So he didn't believe in pulling the goalie. Like, and pull my fucking goalie. If you're the head coach of the greatest team possibly that's ever played you never had to well and what's the point like yeah. they can still score with the players they have out mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't like it, does not it compute. just doesn't translate mm-hmm. in his mind it's like why would we pull our goalie that's the point yeah united states goaltender jim jim craig kicked away a Val- vladimir petrov slap shot with 33 seconds left and Soviet forward Valery Karlamov fired the puck back into the U.S. defensive zone as the clock ticked below 20 seconds. Jeez. A wild scramble for the puck ensued, ending when U.S. forward Mark Johnson, ah, two-goal scorer, found it and passed it to teammate Ken Morrow. As the U.S. team tried to clear the zone... Don't, don't worry, just keep going, just read. The crowd began to count down the seconds left. Play-by-play commentator Al Michaels would then give one of the most famous calls mm-hmm. in sports history alongside color commentator and future Hall, Hockey Hall of Fame goaltender Ken Dryden uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. So this is quoting uh-huh. Al Michaels' call. 11 seconds. You've got 10 seconds. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Silk. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! <laughs> Ken Dryden followed with the statement, unbelievable. <laughs> or, I can believable. I can believable. <laughs> Oy, I can believable. The United States hockey team, with a bunch of college kids, oh God, and the yeah. youngest roster in the history of Olympic play, just defeated a group of professional Jeez. players who were quite possibly the greatest team that has ever existed. And that's not bullshit. Like, if Damn. you're... They're in the conversation. Wow. This team. The Soviets did not feel the same way, understandably. <laughs> they were maybe just a little sore about the whole thing. Because the game was broadcast at 1 o'clock in the morning, Moscow time, mm-hmm. many people didn't bother to stay up watching the game, thinking it would be a blowout yep. no matter what. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the next morning that many Russians who picked up the newspaper realized that they had lost. <laughs> wow. It was seen as a national embarrassment, and yeah. players on that team have said from time to time that they still feel that embarrassment. Man. Ugh. Okay, I'm starting to yawn. We're almost done, right? We are. We <laughs> okay. are. I mean, that was great. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. That was the semifinal. Oh, geez. Again. You're not going to do a play-by-play of the... I am not. Thank you. But let me just okay, go enhance... Okay, Go ahead. That was not the gold medal game. I know. That that was the what everybody remembers, but it still wasn't for the gold, yeah. It was not. So, on to the gold medal game. Zan Sweden? 
Oh, uh, we'll get Norway? into that. Oh, okay. Finland. How, soon, though, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as exciting as all this sounds, as you can tell from my co-host. It's not because I'm not excited. <laughs> it's because we've been recording for two hours after I worked all day on Texas. This was not the gold medal game. This was one of two games to decide who would play in the right. gold medal game. Later in the day, Sweden would take on Finland to decide who the American opponent would be in the gold medal game. That game finished in a 3-3 tie, with Finland advancing to the gold medal game. I looked up all sorts of things on this. It doesn't make any sense to me how Finland advanced the gold medal game in a tie and not Sweden. They both had the same record in round robin play. Okay. They both had the same number of goals scored. So okay. how that was decided? Wow, yeah. I could not Other stats. It must have been other stats. Deep stats. I yeah. couldn't I couldn't figure out Shots on goal? I fucking maybe. I mean, but I looked up that game. Oh, I'm sure you did. Found nothing. Okay. So, so somehow Somehow Finland, Finland gets to the gold medal game even yeah. though they tied with anyway. Going into the third period of the gold medal game against Finland, the U.S. team trailed 2-1. to one. Mm. To once again quote team captain Mike Ruzioni, quote, Herb, meaning the head coach, mm-hmm. walked into the locker room, looked everybody in the eyes, and said, If you lose this game, you'll take it to your fucking grave. <laughs> I kind of remember that from the movie. They did put that in the movie, didn't no. they? No? It's in the documentary. Oh, maybe that's what I remember. The the movie is a Disney movie, so they're they not... They wouldn't have said fucking. But did, didn't he say something like, you'll take it to your grave? No, or... he didn't. Oh, okay. He walked towards the locker room door, <laughs> turned around and said again, you're, you're fucking, fucking grave. grave. I remember this from... It must be from the documentary. Talk about being in the moment. Oh, fuck yeah. The U.S. team rallied in the third period, scoring three goals while giving up none to win the game and the gold medal by a score of four to two. I'm... I literally just heard you say that, and I wasn't paying attention enough to know if you said the U.S. won. Did the U.S. win? Let's move on. Did, no, we? did the U.S. win? Yes. Okay, okay. The Yay! U.S. team rallied in the USA, third USA, round. USA, USA, Let's move on. It's also the last time they've won the gold medal in hockey. Well, well. The Aftermath. So just a few hours after the game, the closing ceremonies of the 13th Winter Olympiad were to begin. Huh. The American team in their fresh-looking Smurf blue sweats... <laughs> <laughs> it was the 80s. ...were to receive the gold medal on a podium on center ice. Team captain Mike Ruzioni would be presented with the gold medal, while the USSR received the silver medal and Sweden received the bronze the details behind who got what yeah, is too was, boring okay, don't, to get don't into, care. so we're just going to leave it at that. Never mind that Finland was second, <laughs> yeah, basically, yes. but okay, whatever. I, it doesn't make sense to me either, okay. so we're just going to leave it at that. Yep. If you, if you want to do your, do your own research! <laughs> After the playing of the Star Spangled Banner, Ruzioni invited his teammates onto the podium with him. Aww. Somehow, all 19 players... <laughs> Fit onto the podium and engaged in a group hug for the ages. Oh, that's so sweet. They literally accomplished the impossible on the ice and on the uh, and on the podium. The gold medal victory injected a sense of American pride and that feeling that began in Lake Placid, New York, on February 1980 still resonates in America today. It is quite literally a story on par with David versus Goliath. Hmm. Many players on both teams would later have careers in the NHL. This victory is seen as the moment when the world stage took American hockey seriously. Hmm. Speaking of the current generation of American hockey players, I bring you 
Yet another quote from Micah Ruzioni. Quote, We may have opened the door for the next wave of guys, but they kicked it down. Mm-mm. At the time in 1980, the NHL consisted of roughly 5% American-born players. Hmm. In the modern era, American-born players consist roughly 33% of wow. the makeup of the league. The ripple effect of this victory simply cannot be overstated. Mm. Fun fact, Mm -hmm. Herb Brooks was the last player cut from the 1960 U.S. national team roster that would go on to win the gold medal at the Winter Olympic Games in Squaw Valley, California. Mm. They are still the only team to go through the tournament undefeated. Remember, the 1980 U.S. team had one tie. Mm -hmm. Herb Brooks tragically also died in a car accident. Right before the movie Miracle came out. Oh, what year? Uh, 2004. Aww. Like a couple months before. Mm. And that, my friends, is the long oh, wow. story of the Miracle on Ice and Rachel is still awake. I am still awake. I am. It, it's And it's not because that wasn't a great topic. I especially like... Because I know that that's a topic that you're very familiar with. I especially enjoyed your writing. That was mostly all me, by yeah. the way. <laughs> there was very little uh, Wikipedia. Or, <laughs> yes, very little of that. I, yeah. I mean, I remember all of that yeah. growing up just as... The, the the main stuff I looked up were just the details, like dates, mm-hmm. uh, final scores, mm-hmm. things like that. Um. And I can say, having played on that ice a couple of times and having been in that locker room a couple of times, um, because all these people sent uh, notes and letters to the players before the game against the Soviets saying, beat those commie bastards. Right, sure. Mm -hmm. uh, Those were all, a lot of them were framed. Oh, wow. In the locker room. Wow. You know, uh, where I've seen them. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, The net where that final goal was scored in mm-hmm. is across the street at a little pub Aww. that I've been to a couple of times. Wow. But when I was growing up, I didn't really appreciate sure. it. It was just like, You're well, yeah. well, it's like everybody plays in Lake Placid. Like we all get to do this. Yeah. And then you realize later in life that no, not everybody does. Right. Very sure. few people do. Sure. And, um, it's pretty cool to look back on that and be like, mm-hmm. I've played there. Mm-hmm. On that exact same ice cool. in that exact same arena, and maybe uh, we have that shot. We have that picture. That yeah. Memo. Maybe we'll put that up on. Uh... Aw, yeah, I love your <laughs> hockey pictures. I love your little hockey pictures from when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are awesome. I I think yes, this is a highly inspirational story, and it I. Feel like this is a really good story to tell right now because yes. sometimes you just need a reminder that when things are really shitty and suck and you're throwing up during suicides uh, to be clear I suicide mean the, drills the drills <laughs> during herbies or whatever the case may be that the process can be shitty the process can be the worst as long as the outcome gets you to where you want to be then the process is fucking worth it then you've done it and and you know what that's a damn good analogy for right now things suck for everybody literally the world over things are yeah, really not shitty us. right now it's not just us things are really shitty and especially like they're clearly uh, and the, that's the other thing is we're not just doing it for us we're doing it for everybody you know especially those of us who are 
privileged enough and lucky enough to be in a decent situation in our lives, it's time for us to skate those fucking Herbies and puke our fucking guts out. Because that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. And that's what we got to fucking do to get through. Mm -hmm. That's just how it goes. So do your Herbies. Puke your guts out. You can do it. We can do it. Yes, we can. And as always, we are here for you. That's right. And we mean that in more ways than just by bringing you disaster episodes, or in Mm -hmm. this case, inspirational episodes. (laughs) episodes. Mm -hmm. We are here for you. That's right. If you need $10, if you need $20, if you need $50, whatever you need, if you need groceries, if you need Mm -hmm. food, please reach out to us Mm -hmm. because we're here for you. And we will take care of you. Because that's what that's what you do. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's time for all of us to do Herbies. That's right. And we're about to fucking do them. That's right. <laughs> so. And we can. Yes, we, we can. can. do it. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Si se puede. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Well, that was a COVID megasode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you woke up Demetrius. And oh, the bebe. And the remarkable story of the miracle on ice. And this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm Rachel. And I'm David. We will see you next week. And the week after that. And the week after that. And the week after that. And even after that. Hmm. Thank you. <laughs>